Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. You guys need to check out June's journey. Engage your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery, danger, and romance. Where will each new chapter take you? Discover hidden clues and solve a riveting murder mystery. Engage with the brain-teasing enigmas of the Roaring Twenties and delve into June's quest to reveal a scandalous family secret. You guys, I love getting lost in this world. It's so beautiful and engaging, and I can't wait to unwind at the end of the day on the couch with this game and a cup of tea. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Okay, everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt can be a challenge. I've always had problems, whether it's with the fit or the quality. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist and you can find it at Skims. From crop silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there is a style for everyone. And you guys know that I've been wearing Skims for a while and I recently just tried another t-shirt of theirs. It's the best form-fitting t-shirt I have ever had. I just got the Skims Soft Smoothing t-shirt and it is the most flattering t-shirt. The fabric is smooth. It's versatile. I can wear it running errands or literally dress it up for a date night. Look, I'm just here to be a witness and let and let everyone know that Peyton's not lying. She loves her skim stuff. She looks good in her skim stuff. Only I've seen it, obviously. Not my tea. I guess guess everyone's seen her t-shirts. But she loves her skim stuff, and I'm just an eyewitness. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com, now available in sizes extra, extra small through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know that we sent you. So after you place your order, select podcast in the survey, and then select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. You guys, we love you so much. We love Skims. Now let's get back to the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland. And I'm Garrett Moreland. And he's the husband. And I'm the husband. If you are listening on podcast right now, thank you. We are so happy to have you here. Please subscribe. Please leave us a review if possible. We love the engagement. We love the reviews. And if you are here on YouTube, hi, hello. Please turn on notifications so that you guys can get notified every single time we upload. You know the drill. Also, give us a thumbs up, a comment. We love comments on YouTube. So please leave one. We just wanted to say thank you so much to every single one of you that listens. Seriously. I know we sound like a broken record, always repeating it, but like Garrett and I talk about this daily. I kid you not. We are so, so grateful to have you here listening um, for the abundance of new listeners we have for our day one homies. Hi. We seriously love you guys so much. We cannot thank you enough. We would not be able to just sit here and do this and get these awesome opportunities for ads like we've been getting. And we get so much love. And I know sometimes the ads are hard to get through, um, but they really help us out and they help you out. It just is a it's better all around for everyone. So thank you for being supportive and thank you so much for loving us. We love you guys too. Gary, do you have your 10 seconds? Um, yes. <laughs> Don't put that in. <laughs> well, it depends how funny it is. Okay, go. <laughs> I think you should leave it in. <laughs> They're going to be like, would they just bark? Only the people on YouTube are going to get it. <laughs> I know, because I'm like, mm. okay. So my 10 seconds this week would be that my mom is actually in town. Um, she's over in the corner to the left of me, trying yes. not to look at her and look at the camera. <laughs> she is watching us. So we have live audience today, but yes, we love her. We love having her here. So, so that's my 10 on. seconds this week. Other than that, 
I don't know. He does have a weird tan line on his head. Oh my gosh. Yes. If that's you're on YouTube, I, if you can see it, I'm sorry. We were playing pickleball. He was wearing a hat and we didn't realize it. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's cute. So we are actually covering a very infamous case this week. It's a big one, I think. I kind of heard about this case, watched this case on the media, on the news when I was like 13 years old. My little um, true crime self was just enthralled with it. I would keep watching Nancy Grace as my mom went to bed. Um, so most of you are probably going to know this case. Garrett has absolutely no idea what this case is. He just knows that a lot of you have suggested it. So here we go. We are jumping into the case of Jody Arias and Travis Alexander. This case has everything that made it a media whirlwind, beautiful people, according to societal beauty standards, passion, lust, sex, betrayal, lies. It has everything that made it huge. Um, there is a lot of imagery that will be on our YouTube video, and we can also load some of it on our media channel. So if you want to watch as we go, check it out on YouTube. So we are trying to cover this case in one episode. And like I said, it's a large case, so there's a lot of details. So there might be some that we leave out just trying to condense it. And so I'm I'm sorry about that. Um, if you have any other important details that you want to include, we can always like do it in the comments and stuff. I love going on, um, continuing the conversation there. Our case sources this week are HuffPost.com, an Amazon documentary called Jody Arias, FilmDaily.co, and also JCS. Um, the YouTube channel covers this two-hour-long interrogation, and it's amazing. Like I always say, I know I rave about him, but yeah, so you can check that out too. It was really good to watch. Our case starts in September of 2006 in Las Vegas, Nevada, at a conference. A 30-year-old clean-cut man named Travis Alexander, who was a motivational speaker and legal insurance salesman, was speaking at said conference in Las Vegas. Travis had grown up in Southern California um, with drug addict parents. It was a rough childhood. He was physically abused and neglected as a child, and so when he was 10... Um, him and his siblings went to live with their grandparents who were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I know this is the second case we've covered with Mormons, and I know that makes it seem crazy, but um, it, this just happened to be the case I chose, so I'm sorry about that. Travis began attending church, and then at age 18, he served a mission in Denver, Colorado. When he came home from his mission, he found a job at a multi-level marketing company that was called PPL, which stands for Prepaid Legal Group. Um, this is why he's a salesman and a motivational speaker okay. at the same time, because in multi-level marketing, the higher up you get, um, you kind of stop doing the work and you more start encouraging people to join and stuff like that. So he kind of had moved on to the, you know, motivational speaking, trying to get people under him type thing. Okay. In 2004, Travis moved to Mesa, Arizona because it had a larger Mormon community than California. And, you know, he was a young bachelor. He was looking for a wife and, and he was kind of living a good life. He had a big house. He had a BMW. And so this is where he wanted to end up. 28-year-old blonde Jody Arias attended the same Las Vegas conference for PPL. She was traveling in from Palm Desert, California. Jody grew up in California in a stable home. She was described as quiet, a good student. And from the time she was young, she always had a boyfriend. Parents say it was kind of her weakness. She loved boys. So Jody um, and Travis were both reps for PPL. So Jody was just barely getting into PPL and Got Travis it. was high up in PPL at this conference. Got so it. he spoke and she saw him at the conference. Okay. But in 2006, at this conference, she was aspiring to be a saleswoman and an independent photographer. 
Travis and Jody end up meeting at the conference and had an instant connection. They were both young, both attractive, and they instantly uh, just started exploring this relationship. As the conference ended, Jody and Travis returned to their separate homes and called and emailed every day. They exchanged approximately 82,000 emails during the course of their relationship. Whoa. Yeah. As time goes on, Jody begins to fall in love with Travis from afar. Remember, she's in California, he's in Arizona. And because Travis was a Mormon who lived in Arizona, Jody decided to be baptized by Travis into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints on November 26, 2006. So only a couple months after they had met. On February 2nd, 2007, Travis and Jody began officially long-distance dating. And despite them both being LDS, they immediately began a physical relationship, which usually Mormons don't do because of something called the law of chastity, which basically just means saving yourself for marriage type thing. Uh And they were doing this before they became officially boyfriend and girlfriend. They were having a sexual relationship. Jody probably didn't realize that the more physical her and Travis were, the less marriage material she began to look in Travis's eyes according to his standards. And on June 29th, 2007, Travis and Jody break up. And around this time, Jody decides to also move to Phoenix, Arizona. What was the reason they broke up? Um, because of the whole sexual relationship, Travis was feeling like I need to be taking dating more seriously. I'm looking for a wife. I'm old enough. I want to settle down. And unfortunately our relationship is just not, it's not that for me. Got it. Um, so once they break up is when she decides to move to where he lived. So they dated afar the whole time. And then once they break up, she's like, okay, I'm going to move to Arizona. Is it because she wanted to date other Exactly. So she says it's because she too wanted to immerse herself in this religion that she had joined. Although Travis is upset with the move and is telling friends that, you know, Jody wasn't marriage material and he wanted her out of his life, but now she's moved here and that's made it hard. Travis and Jody just can't seem to stay away from each other. Jody literally becomes Travis's kryptonite. They maintain their physical relationship, but not dating. They just maintain a physical relationship, which goes against Travis's beliefs. They begin hiding it from his friends and family um, because she lives close by now. They can sneak around and it kind of becomes this hidden romance that they aren't telling anyone else. She knew that Travis was beginning to only see her in a physical light, but Jody was just falling more and more in love with each rendezvous they had. Okay. This is when Travis and Jody's relationship becomes extremely toxic and rocky. It's back and forth. They're on again, they're off again. One minute they are hooking up, the next day Travis is taking a girl from church on a date. So he's living this secret oh, life with okay. Jody and then going to church and preaching and being like, yeah, let's go on a date. I want to get married. Did Jody not care? Do you she know? She did care. Okay. But she liked him. She yeah. So she wanted to be with him and this was the way to be with him. In December of 2007, Travis begins steadily dating another woman from church and tells his friends that Jody has been harassing him. She slashed his tires twice. She's breaking Jeez. into his house. She's logging into his Facebook, to his bank account, all of this stuff. Travis's new girlfriend was also being harassed via email. And Travis says, I think it's from Jody because it was like anonymous. He's like, I'm pretty sure it's from this girl named Jody. She's obsessed with me. She's a stalker, all that type thing. In January of 2008, Travis and Jody are maintaining a physical relationship on the side after the new girlfriend doesn't become as serious as Travis thought. So this new girlfriend ends up like leaving Travis's life and he goes right back to having- So the whole time, are they still- I think kind of. um, 
you know, in and out. But once she, the new girlfriend is out, it's more common again, these hookups. So very promiscuous texts and phone calls going um, between Travis and Jody at this time. Meanwhile, Travis is still dating and portraying himself as single and Mormon to his friends and family. In March of 2008, Travis and Jody travel together to Oklahoma and Texas. They need to get away because they're just having to be in hiding their relationship. But if they go out of state, they can be open about it. In April, Jody moves back to California from Arizona after growing tired of sneaking around and not being more than just a physical relationship for Travis. So they break up. I mean, they they break off their hookups. Um, She was also growing extremely jealous of each new date that Travis was going on in between their hookups. Travis tells friends that he's looking forward to his life now that Jody is in California. He can finally get rid of that toxicity that was keeping him from um, living the standards that he wants to live, that type of thing. He feels like he can get his life back on track and focus on finding a wife because that's what he wants to do. Okay. On April 20th, Jody and Travis are still in contact via text flirting once again, even though she's moved back to California. On May 10th, Jody and Travis are fighting via text. On May 18th, Travis makes a post about dating to marry and why it's important. On Facebook? Yes. Uh, well, it was on his blog, but he was also using oh, Facebook. Okay. This just goes to show that they're like up and down, up and down, hooking up, texting, flirting. Yeah, they're all over the place. Never mind. I don't want you. I'm focusing on cleaning up my life and getting a wife back together, hooking up again. In June of 2006, Travis tells his friends that Jody has hacked into his Facebook account. He tells his friends that he talked to her and told her to stay out of his life forever. Travis seemed to care a lot about what other people thought about Societal the relationship. standards, yeah. um, everyone around. I mean, his um, surroundings were people at church and they all share the same standards. Like I told my parents, I told people at yes. church, I told my friends this. And, and they all have the same standards. And so if Travis is breaking doing those something standards different. Yep. and he cares a lot, he cares a lot that he's not because he liked Jody, but he mm-hmm. was like, I can't marry you because we can't seem to agree upon these standards or whatever. And it wasn't like Jody was pressuring him. I don't yes. I don't want to put that out there. I'm just saying that they as a couple were not living the standards. On June 9th, 2008, Travis's friends are worried because they haven't heard from him in several days. He had missed some important meetings and was supposed to be going to Cancun for work with a new love interest named Mimi Hall, whom he had met at church. So they go to his home and they find his roommate home. They ask him, hey, where's Travis? He's not replying to texts and he's supposed to be leaving to Cancun. And the roommate's like, oh, I thought he was in Cancun already. So his friends are like, no, he's not in Cancun. So they're like, okay, let's go check his room. The door was locked, so they get the extra key. And they walk in and they see blood all over the floor. He has like a little hallway, a bedroom, and then the master bathroom. They see blood all over the floor. They walk into the bathroom and they find him dead on the floor of his shower. Keep in mind, his roommate has been sleeping at the house. What? Yes. How many How many roommates does he have? Just one. Just one. Was the bathroom inside his room or outside his it room? It was inside. It was connected to his room. Got it. His state of decomp suggests that he's been dead for multiple days. So this roommate has been living in the house. Wouldn't he smell it? There was a foul smell. And the roommate told oh. police, dude, we're a bunch of guys like... Mm. It could have been the garbage for all I know. Our house constantly stinks. We, we smell something funny. We just wait for the next person to take the trash out. Yeah. So there were large amounts of blood discovered in the bathroom, on the floors, 
um, on the walls, on the sink. But the rest of the house besides the master bedroom and shower were in orderly condition. That's also why the roommate didn't notice anything. Weird. The bedding had been removed from Travis's bed, but there were no signs of forced entry. The bedding was gone? Yes. Like the sheets and... Yes, the sheets and everything. Okay. Police determined that Travis had been shot in the head with a twenty-five caliber gun. The bullet was found in his left cheek. He had then been stabbed 27 times and his throat slashed from ear to ear. He was almost decapitated. 27 times. Mm-hmm. Crime scene investigators found a 25 caliber shell casing on the floor next to the sink and also a hair and handprint in blood were found near the bathroom entrance. So like the bathroom door is here and it's kind of on the wall outside the bathroom door. My other question is, did no one hear the gunshot go off? Well, I know um, that he was home alone at the time, but I'm going to say no because no one came forward and said anything. Travis's digital camera was then found in the washing machine in the laundry room downstairs. And the camera had been run through a wash with some towels on the machine. And the pictures that were on the memory card what had been in deleted. The world? Yes. When Travis's friends are questioned, they all mention his stalker and harasser ex-girlfriend, Jody Arias. This is from the HuffPost.com. His friends say Jody was totally obsessed with him. Travis's close friends said she wouldn't let him go. Whenever he would try to sever all ties with her, she would threaten to kill herself. He would tell her he didn't want anything to do with her and she would show up at his house. After all of this, uh, like the next day, police get a call from Jody Arias, the girl that all his friends have been telling him about. And she says, you know, I'm a good friend of Travis. I want to help out in any way I can. She says, I haven't seen Travis since I moved back to California, um, but I've, you know, texted him. We've talked a couple times. She tells police that just a couple days later. I guess I am a little confused because isn't she in California? Yes. What the heck? Taking charge of my health is all about being super conscious of what I fuel my body with. Whether it's food or supplements, I'm constantly on the lookout for the top choices. And that's why I'm stoked to share with all of you Thorn. Thorn takes a personalized, innovative, and scientific approach to health and wellness with their supplements. They manufacture all their supplements in the U.S. using top-notch ingredients sourced globally. Plus, they team up with leading medical professionals to bring you highly effective nutritional supplements. Whether it's their B-complex, creatine, magnesium, or basic prenatal, Thorn's got all the supplements I need to help promote and maintain my health goals. You guys, I'm actually taking the B-complex vitamins every single morning, and I feel like it enhances my my energy and mood, especially if we've been eating a little bit unhealthy. With Thorn, we never have to question what's in each supplement because they go the extra mile when it comes to quality, manufacturing, and ingredients. Give your body what it really needs with Thorn. Go to thorn.fit slash husband and use code husband for 10% off your first order. That's T-H-O-R-N-E dot F-I-T slash husband code husband for 10% off your first order. Thorn dot fit slash husband code husband. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, Murder With My Husband listeners, we're here to tell you there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. 
there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas and I honestly get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. Uh, we actually just found a beautiful woven skull blanket for us, me. And as you know, I love it and he hates it. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. All right, you guys, Audible is your one-stop app for all things audio entertainment, from bestsellers and the latest releases to celebrity memoirs and gripping mysteries. Audible's library is brimming with countless genres to love and new discoveries to make. Dive into an unparalleled selection of audiobooks and explore exclusive Audible originals brought to life by top celebrities, renowned experts, and fresh voices. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog in including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Plus, you can enjoy unlimited access to a growing selection of audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts such as Murder With My Husband. Honestly, I love Audible because I will get into a story while I'm cleaning or driving. Sometimes I get so hooked listening to a story, I just end up finding new places to clean or just end up sitting in my car, which drives Garrett nuts, but I'm out there sitting there. New members can explore Audible free for 30 days. Also this March through May, the Audible sweep you into a realm of intrigue and suspense with their mystery and thriller collection, featuring exclusive new thrillers from their best-selling authors. Their selection is designed to captivate and surprise ensuring your heart rate remains as elevated as your imagination. New members can try Audible for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500-500. That's audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500-500. So on June 2nd, 2008, Jody had rented a car in Redding, California, headed on a road trip to Salt Lake City for a PPL convention and also to meet up with her new love interest boyfriend, Ryan Burns. On June 5th, 2008, three days later after she, re- after she leaves, Jody arrives in Salt Lake City and visits Ryan Burns, that love interest and coworker who lived in West Jordan, Utah. So it took three days to get from California to Utah. Now, Garrett and I have, okay, from Northern California to Utah. Garrett and I have made the drive multiple times from Southern California to Utah and back. I will say it does not take three days. No. And Northern California shouldn't be, I mean, do you know what part of Northern California? Redding, California. Yeah. So Redding is probably 10, 11 hours from here. Yeah. So not, not, definitely not three days. Yeah. I mean, she could have stopped, but then that's only two days. You know what I mean? So police ask Jody why it took her so long to get there. She says that she stopped and visited friends in Southern California first. She didn't sleep the night. She just stopped and saw them. Police contact Ryan, who says, yeah, she really did show up that day. It was, you know, it was good. She wasn't acting weird. It was a little weird because blonde bombshell Jody, like blonde, had actually dyed her hair brown. So when she showed up, she had brown hair all of a sudden. Um, and, you know, she had some cuts on her hand. But other than that, like nothing really stood Uh-oh. out to me. Just a couple of cuts. Jody tells police on June 7th, 2008, that she made it back to Northern California and returned the rental car. And that was the extent of her road trip to Salt Lake City. That just happened to be over one of the days that Travis had been murdered. Yeah, what a coincidence. So on June 13th, 2008, Jody posts an album on MySpace titled In Loving Memory of Travis. This is after Travis has died. 
On June 17th, 2008, Jody is voluntarily fingerprinted, um, also gives her DNA along with some of Travis's other friends. So it wasn't that weird that she had agreed to this. While waiting for the results, police are shocked to discover that technicians had been able to recover some images from the camera in the washing machine at Travis's house. No way. Okay. And what they found on there would change the case in its entirety. There were deleted pictures of Travis naked in the shower. He appeared to be posing for the pictures, like promiscuously. But the next pictures on the camera were dark and grainy. And there was also a picture of Travis on the floor of the bathroom bleeding profusely, like just a part of his body. And in that picture is a foot and like a shin, someone standing over Travis. It's almost like the camera had accidentally gone off after being dropped in the struggle. Holy crap. The There were also pictures before uh-huh. um, the one, those ones I just described that were of Travis and Jody Arias nude on their bed in provocative sexual poses. They had had a whole entire photo shoot and these pictures are time stamped during the time that Jody had driven from California to Salt Lake City. So why why did she throw it in the washer? Why wouldn't she just take it with her? Uh, mm-hmm. So these photos prove that Jody had lied to police about when she had last seen Travis. It also proves that Jody was the last person Travis was in contact with before he died in the shower seconds before those pictures were taken. And can they tell like whose foot it is? Like if no. Jody had her foot out, could I they mean tell? no? There's no way to positively 100 percent match that. But if Jody's naked on his bed posing minutes before he's in the shower, which is seconds before he's killed. Yeah. I think it's easy to draw the line that Jody was at least there. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wasn't the person that did it, but she was definitely in the house, which she told police she hadn't seen him since she moved to California. Later that day at 10:54 p.m. Jody posted a message on MySpace that said, I'm missing Travis. See you soon, my friend, but not soon enough. So the day that police figure out that she had lied, she's also on MySpace posting about how she misses Travis. On June 26, 2008, the tests come back and conclude that the bloody handprint and the hair in Travis's apartment belonged to Jody Arias. This seems so, I mean. Open and shut. Yeah. Right? The bloody print also had both Jody and Travis's DNA on it. So like on the handprint was also some DNA that was both Travis's and hers. And that same day the police like discover this match, Jody attends Travis's memorial service. On July 14th, Mesa police drive to California to interview Jody in person. They're like, okay, we have the evidence. So now we need to like go get her. This is when their investigation opens into Jody. This interrogation is pretty intense, and this is what JCS Criminal Psychology does a deep dive into, the two-hour one, and I would look it up if you're interested. He, like, dissects all of it. We're not going to go into it here, but that's a great source if you want to watch it. Jody was very open and offered a lot of information during her interrogation, but police tell her that even if she had slept in her car, her road trip still left 18-plus hours of time uncalled for. They tell her that they have her blood, hair, and DNA at the crime scene after she promises she was never at his house during the road trip. No matter what they tell her, Jody maintains that she was never there. That she wasn't there at all? Yes. Or just there when he died? Just there when he died. So she says, well, my hair's probably there because I've been there multiple times. And she's like, but I was never there during this time. They're like, Jody, your DNA's in blood. And she's like, well, I wasn't there. I don't know what to say. And has she lawyered up at this point? No. She's just sitting in the room alone. 
Police finally tell her that they also have the images from the camera in the washing machine. And this was a bombshell on Jody because she had just said, Oh my I God. wasn't there. Did now she keep freak it, out. These images are timestamps. So she was definitely there. Police pull out the pictures and show her. And I do have to say, these pictures are full on naked. So how yeah. awkward to sit there and they slide out and say, Look, this is you with a timestamp right there, full on spread eagle in this bed. And she's like, She says, Oh, that is me, isn't it? That's what she says. Like just blown away. Yeah. Okay. So I do have to tell you this about Jody. And uh, JCS said this, she puts on this character uh, around everyone to try to make her seem less guilty or less likely. Like innocent almost? Yes. And she talks like, oh yeah, like very soft-spoken, very um, Christian, very God-fearing. Like she she tr- she okay. puts on this whole character. Police pull out the pictures and she's like, well, yeah, that is me, but I don't know when those were from. And they're like, hey, well, they're time stamped. So, you know, you can't argue with that. And she says, well, I mean, but you can doctor those. Like those timestamps could be fake. So she's just, oh my, she's just trying to lie. She sticks with the fact that she wasn't at Travis's house on the 4th or the 5th of June, 10 days earlier. Jody says that timestamps can be altered, but then police show her the image of Travis on the ground bleeding. And they say, hey, we think the camera kept going off. And they say, and also, Jody, that's your foot. That's your foot and your pants in this image standing above the body while the camera's accidentally shooting. Jody doesn't budge. That's not me. So she's. I can't re- believe she can say that with a straight face. Yes. Well, she's like very blinking uh-huh. a lot. Like, that's not me. <laughs> yeah. So she's read her Miranda rights and left alone in the interrogation room. And this next part is why some listeners have commented on our episode 24, Ryan Poston and Shayna Hubers, that, that, that their case reminded them a lot of this case. And this is why. Before the detective leaves, Jody looks up at him through tears and says, well, if you're arresting me, can I have some, you know, this is going to show you how vain I am, but can I have some makeup and a mirror to get my face ready for my mugshot? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, ah, no, you're going to take it just how you are. Detective walks out. Jody immediately stops crying, instantly turns off the tears. She's in full blown. Oh my gosh, I'm getting arrested. He walks out. She doesn't know that the videotape is in there. And she immediately stops crying, looks up moves her chair, crawls on all fours over to the wall and does a headstand against the wall for like a minute. Doesn't say anything. No, she does not. Yes. And this is going to be playing. Video? Yes, this is going to be playing I on our YouTube. I need to watch this. Does a headstand against the wall just seconds after being told that she's going to have to take a normal mug shot. Well, impressive. And then after that, it kind of wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of thinking that like, I wouldn't even do a headstand right now because the blood rush, like she just got up what and did one. What the heck? So then after that, she goes and sits back down. She starts singing Oh Holy Night to herself out loud. And once again, has a good voice, just like Shayna did. And Mm. once again, why can I not have a good voice? It makes me mad, but whatever. So she then starts talking to herself. Like in the chair, she goes, she mumbles these. Still hate me? And then she mumbles, brat. And and you can hear all this in the video. Yes, just talking out loud. And keep in mind, she doesn't know she's being recorded. So she's just... Okay. Yeah. So the next day, police continue the interrogation with Jody. This time she's in a jumpsuit because she spent the night in jail. And they try to bring in a female detective. Jody won't talk to her. She obviously only wants the man. Were the cops not scared? 
Like, is she possessed? Like, what's going on right now? <laughs> I just think they think that she doesn't care. Maybe they're used to, yeah, yeah. Used to this. Detective Flores comes back in and Jody unloads. She tells him, okay, fine. I'll tell you what I know. Travis knew that I was stopping by during my road trip to Salt Lake and that she got to his house around 3 a.m. She says that they went to bed and then they woke up later in the afternoon and they had sex and they took those naughty pictures of each other on the bed. The last photos of Travis in the shower were taken around 5.20 p.m. that day. Jody finally tells the detective that a man and a woman in ski masks barged in on her and Travis during their shower photo shoot. She says that they attacked Travis in the shower and through sobs, she says she ran into the closet and the man held a gun to her head and that she began fighting with the woman who had a knife and that the woman eventually let go. And that's how she got the cuts on her hand. She says the man and woman in ski masks argue about whether or not to kill Jody, And she says that the man says killing her is not what they came there for, that they came there to kill Travis. She says that the fight left her cut and that the intruder told her if she ever said anything about it, that they would go and kill her family. They had gone in her purse, looked at where she lived, everything, and they let her go. So she just got in her car and drove to Salt Lake City and met up with Ryan, whom she also was interested in. And he said she wasn't acting weird. They made out. They were basically dating that weekend, and she went to the PPL conference. So this seems like such a just, Solid case. Like she did it and uh, you and everyone else agree. But now I'm confused because you're still talking. So <laughs> <laughs> So Jody's parents are interviewed during this time and they tell police that Jody got along well with her siblings, but not with them. That Jody had moved out during junior year of high school, moved in with her boyfriend, and after getting busted for growing marijuana in middle school, um, it was just kind of downhill from there. Parents say she's a really smart girl. Um, she's very friendly, but it they they just didn't have a good relationship with her. They say that a couple days after Travis's murder, Jody came back to California, sat them down and told them that she was going to leave the country because she was going to be blamed for something she didn't do and she couldn't tell them any more details. Why? This whole thing is insane. It's just an open and shut case, it seems. So we're in 2008 still? Yes, correct. Okay. They met in 2006 and we're now in 2008. Got it. On September 5th, Jody is extradited to Arizona and assigned a public defender. Juan Martinez is assigned as the lead prosecutor and he decides to go for the death penalty. On September wow. 11th, 2008, Jody pleads not guilty and tells the media that she and God knows that she's innocent. Her arrest and glamorous mugshot and now facing the death penalty means Jody becomes instantly famous in the United States. The media picks up this story. Jealous girlfriend kills her boyfriend, acts crazy, has a beautiful... Because in her mugshot, she's smiling and her head's tilted. She's crazy. Yeah. And so they're like, oh my gosh, look at this crazy girl who killed yeah. her. Like she goes instantly haywire. And this is when I, at 13 years old, was like, Turning on Nancy Grace, like, what's what's new in the Jody Arias case? I kind of am picturing Harley Quinn a little bit in my head. Yes, I would say yes, a little. I mean, she's a little more refined. Like, she, yeah. she tries to go for the innocent look, but definitely crazy eyes. Like, okay. definitely a little weird. Jody's face is all over the news and media in 2008. Um, an infamous clip from Nancy Grace that I remember is when they show Jody during an interview with media because she just starts taking any interview she can get. She's doing interviews with everybody from jail. 
um, talking about her innocence. How did I not hear about this? It's because you don't you don't pay attention. I don't understand. So during an interview um, that she's doing, she takes a little break during the interview, and they're still filming her, and she goes to put makeup on while in her jumpsuit. She's like, "Can I just freshen up my face?" While she's talking about being convicted of murder and on the death penalty. And she's doing her makeup and Nancy yells literally at the TV. Got to get your makeup straight before you're asked questions about your lover's murder. <laughs> she just said that. She yells it. And it's just, it's so good because Nancy Grace is just, you know, and yeah. it's so good. So, yeah. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Hola. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. So a lot of people don't know that Garrett is actually fluent in Spanish, so I feel like I've wanted to keep up my game and my goal is to be able to have a conversation with Garrett fully in Spanish by the end of the year and I feel like I probably will hit that. Plus Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. This is the hard part for me. Here's a special limited time deal for you guys right now. Get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription but only for you guys at babbel.com slash husband. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash husband spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash husband. Rules and restrictions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. So like we all have stuff that stresses us out, right? Whether it's big or small, it can really get to us if we keep it all inside. And therapy is a safe space to just let it all out and figure out how to deal with the stuff that's weighing us down. And I am such a huge advocate for therapy. It truly has changed my life for the better. I could go on and on. I feel like I have the tools now to handle panic attacks or just major stressors in life and also a safe space to say whatever I need to say to an unbiased party. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash husband today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash husband. When we started podcasting, an online store was honestly the furthest thing from our minds. But now we're selling Murder With My Husband merch and it's so easy because we use Shopify. And we really do. We use Shopify to sell our merch. I've been using Shopify for years. So it is absolutely amazing, easy to use, so intuitive. I love it. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And it's great because they grow with you. So whether you're just launching your shop or you've just hit a million orders, they are there every step of the way. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. We've actually tried a couple other platforms before we started using Shopify to sell our merch and Shopify is just the best. Um, I've been using it for years, like I've said, 
and I just love having control over it and being able to do what I want. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash husband. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash husband now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash husband. Jody gets a selfish, um, self-consumed, flirtatious rap around the nation. They're like, this girl's just trying to flirt her way to innocence. She isn't taking much seriously. She's laughing in her interview. She's talking about herself a lot. And on August 8th, 2011, Jody requests to represent herself at trial. Eight days later, after failing to get some forged letters from Travis that she had forged herself, stating that he was a pedophile, um, she admits to court... Um, you know, judge, I think I'm in over my head here. And so judge reinstates her defense counsel. Jody also changes her story to domestic violence defense, stating that Travis had attacked her that night. And so she had shot him in self-defense after sexual and physical abuse throughout their two year relationship. So once you change your story, Three I times. feel like that instantly makes you like that you're guilty. I think it's the fact that she's going from one extreme to another extreme to another extreme. I wasn't even there. Mm -hmm. Fine, I was there and two people broke in. Fine, that didn't happen either. I was there and I shot him in self-defense. Exactly. So we're in 2012 now. This is how long this is taking. Okay. Jody was assigned a new defense attorney after hers requested to be re released from position. So her attorney was like, can't work for this lady. Next. And that's why this is taking just so long. Oh my long. gosh. Isn't it just, all right, you're guilty. Like right? On January 2nd, 2013, Jody Arias's trial begins and people line up outside the courtroom just to see the Jody Arias in person. The state cites the number of times Jody changed her story, the fact that the murder was so violent and everything as points against Jody in their opening statements. The defense states that Jody had killed him in self defense, and so they shouldn't convict her of first degree murder. Like they say, okay, she did kill him, but it was in self defense, so it's not first degree murder. Take the death penalty off the table. And I feel like, I don't know, is that something you can prove, right? Because, I mean, she could lie pretty well that it was self-defense. Yes, except for if the state can prove that there were things she did previously yes. to plan out the murder, then, then it'll, go, it'll okay. go against it and they won't be able to prove it. They say that if Jody hadn't killed Travis, she wouldn't be alive today that it would have been her instead of him. That's how abusive the relationship was. But the biggest bombshell that defense drop is that Jody was forced into a sexual relationship with a dominant Travis and that every aspect of their sex life would be exploited at trial. So they come right out and they say, sorry about it. You're about to learn every single aspect of this very abusive sexual relationship between Travis and Jody. Welcome to the trial. That's what the defense says. Wow. And I mean- is it true? Well, some of it's proved at okay. trial. And this trial is a big deal. This trial's televised. This trial's televised. And also, you have to think about this from Travis's friends mm -hmm. and family who are sitting in the courtroom. They get the first couple rows. He was obviously not living the values that he wished to. And he had been lying to everyone about it. Yeah. And now, his sins, from his point of view as the victim would be on full blast at his own murder trial. That's really rough and exploitive and disgusting and and hard and not how he should be remembered. But yeah. it, it's going to happen because it, she's trying to get off. 
The state blasts during their um, couple days that the number of lies Jody told police in her first interviews, downplaying her and Travis's relationship, and the gruesome nature of Travis's death should all prove that she did this and it was first degree murder. Um, also, how hard it would be to kill someone of Travis's size if it was self defense and her not have any extensive wounds besides a couple cuts, that he had to have been caught off guard or surprised in the shower in order for someone of her size to actually overpower him and kill him, um, that nearly decapitating someone and stabbing them 27 times isn't self defense. That's what the state says. Got it. The state also shows during their time a lot of the crime scene photos, which are brutal, and you can see them. Um, everyone in the courtroom had to see them as well. It was a really awful time. Think of Travis's family sitting there having to see Travis nearly decapitated in the shower. Yeah. Um, Jody hid behind her hair for most of the time that the state was up. Jody also said that she shot him in the head and he kept attacking her. But the Emmy comes out for the state and says that wouldn't make sense that he would have gone down immediately after being shot in the brain. Like, yeah, why would you then stab him 27 well, they're times? They're like, there's no way he kept attacking you. Cause she's like, well, um, you know, he just kept attacking me after I shot him. So then that's why I had to stab him 27 times. And the Emmy's like, no, he would have gone down. Yeah. You shot in the brain. You're down. You don't keep attacking enough to have, you know, 27 stab wounds. The defense says there's no evidence of that though. And the Emmy's like, yeah, you're right. Like on cross-examination, they're like, but there's no evidence that he actually didn't go down. That's just your professional oh, opinion that getting shot in the head would make yeah. him go down. He's like, well, yes, because because of the decomp, there was no evidence that the brain had necessarily been messed with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But he's like, but I mean, he got shot in the head. Jody's grandparents also said at trial that their 25 caliber gun had been stolen one week before Travis's murder. This seems just so obvious to me. I'm so confused. I agree. The gun was never found. And on day nine, prosecution rests its case. So the state's like, that's it. We're done. We've done what we can to prove that this was, you know, first degree murder and that Jody did this. The defense comes up and Jody's ex-boyfriend testifies about how calm and nice she was. I dated her for years when she, you know, moved out of her house and lived with me. And she was great. There was nothing ever wrong. But it comes out that before Jody left for her trip, she had stopped by this same ex's house that was just testifying and picked up two cans of gas from him. This doesn't seem like that big a deal. Oh, okay. But the state gets up and cross-examines him. And they say, you know what? We went through the receipts. We found a box of receipts from the trip, this road trip she took from California to Salt Lake during the time that Travis was murdered. And she never filled up with gas in Arizona. Never once. And she spent a whole day there. We know. Never once did she fill up with gas. She instead used those gas cans that she had picked up from your house. Almost like she was trying to keep herself out of Arizona when it came down to paperwork. Mm -hmm. Like I was never there. I didn't even get gas there. And that proves that this was calculated and planned, which would prove first degree, degree murder, murder, just like you were saying. If the state can come up with something to say, no, she planned this, and there you go. There you have it. She knew she was going to kill him, and she wanted. She turned off her cell phone so her cell phone wouldn't ping the whole entire day she was there, and she brought gas with her so she wouldn't have to fill up there. One of the biggest questions during trial was if Jody Arias was going to get on the stand or not. This is a big deal. Are you going to testify at your own trial? Like, that's a big deal. It was day four of the defense's testimony when Jody walked into court and walked right up to stand. 
she would testify. This is huge. And this part is going to get a little in-depth sexually. So if you are uncomfortable with that or your kids are listening or whatever, you can feel free, whatever. Mm -hmm. Jody says the day that Travis baptized her, they went back to his house and into his bedroom and Travis and her had anal sex. This combined sexuality and religion. And they say this because sex was being used in a not good way. Like it, when it came down to religion, it was being used to control her. That's what the defense is trying Got to it. say. They began reading through Jody and Travis's emails. And this is all while Jody's standing like on the stand. And they're saying, did you say this, this, this to him? And she has to say, yes, I did. And they're bad. Like they're, I mean, they're not bad, but they're very sexual in nature. And it's just, it's an uncomfortable okay. situation for everyone. Yeah. He called her a slut, said she would rejoice in being a whore for him and that her whole purpose in life was to please him and to have animal sex with him. And all of this is written or recorded. So it's wow. all proved. Uh -huh. um, he also, this is a big deal from the trial. He also refers to her multiple times as a three hole wonder. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. So his whole family sitting here having to hear about this very secret, I'm not saying bad, secret life he was having and outing him in a way because he didn't want to be portrayed as this or perceived as this. And so it's just, it's, it's horrible. So it definitely threw a fork in, in, everything, in everything that had been going on. Yep. This relationship had emotional and mental abuse, according to the jurors, like the jurors said that. Especially because I assume the state was painting him as this perfect kind of guy, correct? Yeah, like this religious, yeah. very successful guy. And he was. Yeah. I don't want to take that away from Travis because he was. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think just because you have a, a sexual relationship with someone makes you a bad person like the no. defense is trying to portray it. And they are. They're trying to portray it. And now if you're, if he was being it's abusive- It's because it's according to the, his religion. Exactly, exactly. And But the jurors say, no, it was abusive. Like he was calling her Got it. derogatory things. The only thing was, was it consensual or was it abuse? Okay. So Travis and Jody were acting as good Christian churchgoers and then living this secret life together. Jody tells the court that she saw him one time masturbating to child pornography says he was a pedophile. So Travis, Whoa. our victim is just getting slandered. The worst, uh -huh. basically the worst accusations and things were said about Travis while Jody was testifying. She herself was saying these and things. And was everything proved or just some of it? None of that pedophile stuff was proved. There was Got no it. child pornography on his computer. There was nothing. That all came single-handedly from Jody. Some things um, were in the emails, like I said, but also some things were just said by Jody. Jody says that he was physically abusive and the physical abuse would then turn into sexual abuse. It would start as punching and then turn into rape. And then the defense plays a phone sex tape session between Jody and Travis. And okay. they play it for everyone to hear. And it's long and it is X-rated. And it is very shocking to hear considering the situation of this girl murdered him and now we're hearing their sex. So it's a very intimate moment being shared publicly to try to say this is how nasty he was during sex. Now, keep in mind, during the sex tape, Jody never once is like, I don't like that. Why are you saying those degrading things to me? Uh -huh. So that's why I'm saying- So it sounds consensual almost? Yeah, it is. It is. Like okay. she's very, she is acting very consensual. And so now it's up to the jury to decide, is Jody actually the victim? Because she's on stand saying none of this was consensual. But okay. in the, it, literally in the, in the tape- He'll say something nasty to her and she'll be like, ooh, that makes me feel bad. I like it. Yeah. So she literally saying the words, I like it. So that's, it, it's up to the jury. And the, I will give it to the defense doing a good job of 
making this questionable. The trial was so sexually graphic. There was moaning um, in the sex tape. It was raunchy. It just felt embarrassing and sad considering the situation. Jody finally testifies that the day she was taking pictures of him in the shower, the camera had accidentally slipped out of her hands and this had caused Travis to explode and get mad at her and he began chasing her through the house trying to kill her. So she ran into the closet and remembered that he kept a gun there this gun that no one knew about, like he didn't know. And she grabbed the gun and she pointed it at him and she fired on accident. She says that after this, she then blacked out and she has no memory of stabbing him 27 times or Mm -hmm. dragging him back to the shower after she shot him. Cross-examination comes and the prosecution brings up her journal saying, you didn't write anything negative about your sex life with Travis in this journal. There was no pedophilia. There was no rape. There was no physical mm, abuse. Okay. All that you write about is the good. Things. I have this relationship with Travis. No, I think he's only using me for sex. Oh, now okay. he's dating this girl. Everything we knew. Jody was on the stand for 18 days testifying. Whoa, it's a long because trial. Her team has a, a chance and, and then the state's team has a chance. And both sides then prepared for their closing arguments. The trial was wrapping up. After four months of trial, the jurors left to deliberate. Days and days go by, no news. Four days later. And are they locked in a room together for four days? Yes. I mean, they're getting food and they get to go home and sleep. But, oh, okay. Um, but four, I thought they were just sitting there for four and days. I don't know if this jury was sequestered or not because they might okay. be sleeping at the hotel or whatever. But four days later, the jurors come back and they find Jody guilty on first degree murder. Okay. So now Jody is going to go to sentencing and we will decide if she gets the death penalty or life in prison without the possibility of parole because she was sentenced. Oh, so she hasn't been sentenced yet. No, she's only been convicted. But before Jody can go to sentencing, she immediately, after getting declared or after getting announced that she's guilty, she does a TV interview once again, minutes after the verdict. She sits down. She says she's overwhelmed that it was unexpected, but the death is the ultimate freedom. I would rather die than live my life in prison. She said that? Mm -hmm. Minutes after getting. Yep. That's heavy. Yes. So at sentencing, Jody comes up. So his whole family comes up and testifies, tells the judge, you know, Travis was our rock. Travis has been painted in such a bad light, but he was such a good man. Um, And this is why we think she should get the death penalty. Jody gets a chance to talk at sentencing every single person that is being convicted or has been convicted gets a chance to talk. So Jody gets up and she holds up a shirt that says survivor on it and then proceeds to tell the judge that she's selling this shirt and she's created this shirt and that all proceeds will go to victims of domestic violence. So she is still holding to her story that this was a domestic violence situation, which is not a good look. Mm -hmm. It's not a good look because it just, it was kind of obvious. Like the trial didn't necessarily go in her way at all. The jury comes back with the decision for life or death. And this is a big deal. Every single like media outlet is covering this. And the jury says, judge, we can't decide. We have eight for it, this many against it. So doesn't it go to the judge at this point? No, it goes to mistrial. So the judge declares a mistrial and they have to start all No freaking over. way. Yeah, so they have to start all over with the sentencing. Oh, so not so, with the whole trial. No, so she will still oh she's gosh. still convicted, okay. 
But now they're going to have to go through a whole new trial to try to convince a whole new set of jurors to give her the death penalty. I thought they had to, I mean, they kind of do. They kind of do. I thought they had to start like from blank one. No, no, no. They kind of do because they have to convince a whole new set of jurors. Okay. But I mean, she's already convicted. So the jurors aren't deciding if she's guilty or not. The jurors are deciding death penalty or life in prison. Okay. So a year later, that's how long it takes to regather everything, create all these cases again. Everyone comes back and tries to prove that Jody deserves death. The second trial is over. And after six days of deliberation, the jury comes back and says, Judge, we're hung once again, 11 to 1, 11 for the death penalty. Oh my gosh. One person holds out. Judge declares a mistrial. You can keep doing that over and over again? No. So Arizona rule is that you only get two shots to sentence someone to death. And if both those shots come back with a hung jury, she immediately gets life in prison without the possibility of parole. Okay. So Jody is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole on April 13th, 2015. And has she said anything else about that recently? Um, she did a couple interviews after that. She has appealed her sentence twice. Um, and she's in some public battles with her attorneys saying she had misrepresentation. She's suing them, all this wow. stuff, but nothing has really changed. She kind of died out after that. Cause there was like a nice little bow after the mistrials and her getting sentenced. It was like, okay, this is nice and wrapped up. It's we'll over with. Yeah. But that is the very summarized version of Jody Arias and Travis Alexander. That whole thing was insane. I can't believe you I knew nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe this case isn't as big to Oh, I knew nothing. Other I knew people, absolutely nothing. But I think you say her name and it's pretty popular. I well, would, I've I, seen it in the DMs a couple of times. Yeah, we've had comments. a ton of suggestions. For Everyone always sends in like uh, Garrett, big names that Garrett I'm supposed to know, this. but I, that I don't know. He said, you should, we've, I was like, I don't know what case to do this week. And he was like, there's been one, a couple people sending it. It's like Joe, uh, Jody or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Jody Arias. I was like, yes, I can do that one. So Garrett knew the name, but he didn't know anything about this case. Yep. But there was so much evidence. And as we're watching these trials unfold and she's getting up on the stand, everyone's thinking, how are we even at trial? Like, there is so much evidence against it's her. Crazy. I mean, she obviously did it. And so then they go into trial and they're like, yeah, he, yes, she did it for sure. But this is why she did but it. But then you have to imagine, before they uh. went to trial, no one knew about this secret sex life. No one knew about the um, kinkiness, the you know, the deep mm-hmm. dive into everything. And all of this is exploited at trial. So you, can you imagine the media yeah. is this coming out? I mean, I feel like... We will have moments like this with the Rexburg kids. With Chad and Lori? Yes. I feel like we will have moments at trial where we are like- Blown away. What? No one had any idea that this happened. And and that was kind of what happened with Jody Arias and Travis Alexander. It was this nice little blonde woman who killed her boyfriend. And it was this, all so much stuff yeah. involved. It was insane. Crazy. That was, that was crazy. Yeah, so 13-year-old me was just... I mean, you did a really good job condensing it. I'm surprised we got it all into one episode. I mean, like I said, there was probably some... I mean, I could be like, and then she went to this place yeah. in this city that, you know, but we're, we, we got to do what we got to do on this podcast. Yep. Like I said, there's plenty, plenty of other sources that really do a more, you know, like deeper dive into all the nitty gritty little details if you're wanting to know, you know, what color of earrings she wore mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah. It's insane. 
All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love you guys so much. Also, oh, I did forget to mention, I'm wearing my Ore ring. I really wanted to show you guys because yeah. we did an Fame's ad. really excited. We did an ad for them, and I finally got my ring that I ordered, and... Ah, I'm so excited. I seriously love it. So yeah, if you want to check that out, it's Orate. That's A-U-R-A-T-E. But yeah, I just wanted to slip that in really quick because I didn't want to miss it because I was really excited about that. But we will see you guys next week for another episode. I love it. And I hate it. Goodbye. Goodbye.